1: Hey, Ophir Eisenberg here. All month long, Ask Me Another is celebrating women in comedy. So in keeping with the theme, this week we're showcasing our episode with actor Rose Byrne, who you know and love from movies like Bridesmaids, Neighbors, and so much more. Enjoy.
2: From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
3: Wow!
1: How awesome! Very nice to have you. Welcome, welcome. So, right now, we have four brilliant contestants. They are waiting backstage, laying out their clothes, getting ready for the first day of trivia. And one of them will be our big winner... And it is also, it's, it's the end of summer, Jonathan.
2: It is the end of summer. Thank I know, goodness. I
1: know. How, how, was, how was the last couple of weeks of your summer?
2: Uh, fine. It's getting to that time where I'm super excited for the kids to go back to school.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two if, kids. You have two kids. Two
2: kids. And it's the thing about having two kids is that when you are on vacation, it is sort of the worst time. It's well, a lot it's, more relaxing when you can actually just go to work like a normal person.
1: Yes. The word vacation, I have one child, and everyone's like, did you go on a vacation? I was like, no, it wasn't a vacation. No, that's a trip.
2: That's a trip. <laughs> that's a
1: trip. <laughs> a trip and a half. <laughs> that's a trip and a half. Yeah. So where did you go, though?
2: We went to Disneyland.
1: What, what part of Disneyland did you like?
2: Uh, the older I get, the less capable I am of dealing with motion sickness. So, you know, we went on a few rides. And then to take a little break, we went on the Winnie the Pooh ride, which yes. is... One of these dark rides on a car that just sort of goes through a thing, but the car kind of rocks on its chassis like it's a boat. And by the end of it, I was like, I gotta sit down. <laughs> so it was really the Winnie the Pooh ride that knocked me out.
1: Oh, you, you were poo pooed by I... the Winnie the Pooh ride. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have one child, and my child is two, so we're not at that level yet. I know my life. I don't really have the resources. Like I see, I could offer two kids crappy lives (laughs) or I could give my one child an incredible mediocre life that's how I see it our special guest is actress Rose Byrne you know her from Bridesmaids the TV show Damages and she stars in a new film called Juliet Naked I haven't seen the film yet but I hope at the end she gets a coat um she's been in so many of my favorite things Bridesmaids I mean I just loved that movie I was crazy about that movie I love the character she played, Helen, the nemesis bridesmaid. Uh, so brilliant. And like just uh, what a great embodiment of a, a comedic character. Uh, we have tons of cool games in the show. We're going to uh, talk about celebrities, literature. We have a game about regional slang. I love regional slang, area-specific vernacular. I read about this, that uh, there's a town in Arizona named Surprise, And when you throw a surprise party there, when you jump out, you have to go, didn't see this coming. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I did a deep lunge for you people. Come on. That is some public radio athleticism right there. All right, let's meet some contestants and play some games, everybody. Our first game is about regional slang. For example, Americans call it mayonnaise, but in Canada, we call it terror sauce. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Jerry ann Gall. You are an internet entrepreneur, and now you're here. Yes, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Happy to have you. So when you ring in, we're going to hear this. Magical. Yes. Mm -hmm. Your opponent is Nikki Palumbo. You're a comedy writer at Google. Yes, oh. hi. hi. How are you? How are you? Uh, when you ring in, we're going to hear this. <coughs> Jerry Ann and Nikki, whoever has more points after two games, we'll move on to our final round. So, this is a guessing game called It's an Albany Expression. In this game, we're going to give you an expression found in the Dictionary of American Regional English. It is compiled and maintained by researchers at the University of Wisconsin Madison. Uh, these are regional slang words from the past or present. And you're just gonna tell us the word's definition, but don't worry, we're gonna give you multiple choices. Here we go. Uh, the next time you're in New Hampshire, make sure you steer clear of that crom. Is that a men who touch your lower back without permission? <laughs> B food waste or C raw flax-based granola? <laughs> Nikki C. Good guess, but it is incorrect. Cool. Sorry, <laughs> Ann, Can you steal? Uh, food waste. That is the correct answer. Yeah. Crumb is food waste. Uh, Men who touch your lower back without permission are usually called Gary or
3: Charles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you're on a ridey bob in Kentucky, are you A, playing on a seesaw, B, sitting in a motorcycle sidecar, or C, grabbing apples with your mouth while riding on a moving tractor? Jerry Ann. I like the seesaw idea. That is correct. Yeah, it's a seesaw. <laughs> a Bob.
2: When someone in Massachusetts mentions diddly dees, they're talking about A, pine needles, B, a Cambridge Club drug, or C, a catchy song you can't remember the words to. <laughs> Jerry Ann.
4: That's got to be C, the song.
2: I'm sorry, it is not C. What? You really like the letter C. <laughs> Nikki, do you know the answer?
4: Uh, if I had to guess, A.
2: You do have to guess, and yes, that is the answer. If you encounter a table tapper in North Carolina, you are A, on a very boring date, B, listening to an amateur preacher, or C, attending a seance. Ann.
4: I'm going to go with the preacher.
2: Yes, listening to an amateur preacher. That's right.
4: In Washington, D.C., what
1: is a slug? A, the last person to vote in Congress, B, a hitchhiking commuter who helps drivers meet carpool lane requirements, or C, literally anyone or anything in Washington, (laughs) D.C.? Nikki. B? Yes, that is exactly what slugs are. Yeah. It's a thing. Slugging is also practiced in uh, Houston and San Francisco. Were you aware of the slugging very in San Francisco? Very aware of it.
4: Yeah, there's informal spots that are like, if you're in the know, you know, you just wait on that corner, and then cars will just pull over and pick you up, and it's totally safe.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like
1: pre-Uber pool kind yeah. of. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. That was a very close game, Jerri-Ann, You are in the lead. Well done. Our next game is called Celebrities on Celebrities. Did you know that Madonna is actually just the Olsen twins stacked on top of each other in a trench coat? <laughs> Let's check in with our contestants. Jerry Ann, you completed NASA astronaut training at the Kennedy Space Center?
4: Oh, yes. Not just astronaut training, but I wore a dress. Wow, and, and you passed, yes. Oh, I finished first in my class. I don't want to brag, but I will. Yes. So the I mentioned that I was wearing a dress, because yeah. when I walk in, all the boys are like, who's this girl? You're in the wrong room, lady. And so I was the only one who did not throw up in G-Force training, um, and I was like, who wears the pants now, boys? Yeah. Oh, look at me. Yeah. So, you want to go into space or take the astronaut thing any further? Obviously. Who doesn't, right? All right. I'll see you on Mars, guys. Come on.
1: <laughs> Nikki, you write jokes for Google Assistant, which is an AI assistant like Siri or Alexa.
4: Yeah, that's a job people have. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, so when you're heckling them, they're coming from a human being. So right, it's a human being. It who's hurts programmed. my feelings. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what what kind of stuff are you writing? Uh, mostly dad jokes. Uh, yeah. Because that's what I like. Yeah. Um, the future is now, and we get to shape it. And I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> can
4: you give me an example of a line that you're pretty happy that you pushed through? Uh, sure. Uh, w- what a lot of people seem to say to their Google Assistant is, are you ignoring me? Um, because we haven't registered a command or something. Yeah. And we just kind of wait a second or two. And what? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I can never uh, ignore you. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, good.
1: All right, this is an audio quiz called Celebrities on Celebrities. We're going to play you a clip of a celebrity doing an impression of another celebrity. Each clue is worth up to two points. Jerry ann stay in the lead, and you are in the final round. Nikki, you need to get more points, or you'll have to watch a Bachelorette contestant's Instagram story.
4: Oh, no. (laughs)
1: I'll try harder. I know, the harshest thing we've actually ever said to anyone on this show. Here we go. In this late, late show clip, the actress who played Mrs. Witch in A Wrinkle in Time imitates the actress who played Mrs. What's It?
0: Y'all, I have a
5: helicopter going to pick us up right in front of the yard. Right there. We're going to go right in front of the yard. Then we're going to go to the top of the mountain. Then we're going to hike, y'all. Then we're going to get on a boat, y'all. And then,
4: <laughs> then y'all. Miss <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. That is
1: good for one point. Do you want to say the other person? Reese Witherspoon? That's right, Oprah Winfrey is impersonating Reese Witherspoon. This clip is from inside the actor studio. The actor who plays Phil in the hangover imitates his co-star from The Wedding Crashers.
3: Your hair is like what do you have to do to maintain to maintain your hairs.
6: You keep rubbing it, rubbing it all the time.
1: Nikki. Was that Bradley Cooper? Yes, that is Bradley Cooper. Who is he impersonating?
4: Uh, that sounded like Walken, Christopher Walken. Yeah, that's right. Wow.
3: Uh,
1: a Christopher Walken impression is a SAG actor's requirement <laughs> to uh, get into the guild, I believe. It used to be Jack Nicholson, and then they, they changed it. There was an uproar. <laughs> This clip is from an online interview with the artist who sang "Hotline Bling," imitating the artist who sang "A Milli."
6: Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, chill it, man. You know, I just been like vibing out, you know, Carter for and start. That's it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Nikki Drake. Yes. Uh, Lil Weezy. That is correct. <laughs> okay. In this Jimmy Fallon clip, the artist who sang Bang Bang imitates a famous Canadian singer.
7: They're sweet and strange, finding you can never whatever.
4: <laughs> Nikki. Uh, Ariana Grande. Yes. Imitating Celine Dion. You got
3: that. Yeah.
4: Uh, Well done.
1: So after two games, Nikki, congratulations. You are moving on to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Nikki in our final round. And I'll talk to Rose Byrne, who is nominated for an Emmy and a Golden Globe for her role in the TV series Damages. And I'll ask her, are you and Glenn close? I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. (laughs)
6: Visit tinydeskcontest.npr.org to learn more. Then check out the Venture X card from presenting sponsor Capital One. Earn unlimited 2x miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates.
2: This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. You know her from the TV series Damages, many movies, including Bridesmaids, and she stars in the new film, Juliet Naked. Please welcome Rose Byrne.
8: Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. This is a really great atmosphere, guys. I feel like I'm in like Melbourne or Sydney, you know? Yeah. It's very Aussie. (laughs) <laughs> this sort of format, everyone drinking and NPR
3: that's it that's... And
8: <laughs> No, it's good. Nice. You're originally
1: from Sydney, Australia. I am from Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you live in Brooklyn.
8: That's it. <laughs> it's
1: very exciting. Your parents have retired to a garlic farm in Tasmania. Is that the truth? Okay. Is that, like, a thing? Like, if I said that to someone in Australia, would they be like,
8: oh, I get it? Yeah. (laughs) It's not, like, a quintessentially, like, Australian move. Yeah. No. But it's very remote, very remote, beautiful part of the world. Probably a good place to go when the end comes. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, when you were a little kid, it was your older sister who said to
8: your parents when you were eight years old that you should... Study acting. Yeah. I was very shy. Oh. It was very shy. And I think they thought it would help me come out of my shell perhaps. So I was taken off to drama class and you know, loved it and became, you know, well. my found friends were there and found my voice and here <laughs> I am today in <laughs> Brooklyn <laughs> with you on stage. So I could have gone either way, you know, but I loved it. Yeah. I was became my, my, my thing. You got yeah, into it. I got and into it. You got roles as a teenager, a preteen? I did. I did some uh, Fine work in
1: Australia, which no one will ever see. <laughs> but you did the Sandra Bernhardt movie called Dallas Doll. I did, that...
8: not to be confused with Debbie Does Dallas. Right, <laughs> another fine film. But at yes. fifteen,
1: you're also cast as a lead in a soap opera called Echo Point.
8: Phenomenal show. Billy, my character was called. Nice. Yeah. Going down the tuck shop. All of that kind of talk. Going to the surf club. <laughs> Australia has soap operas, which are different to the ones here. They're only a half an hour format, and it's it's a lot of like tan people on the beach, going to the surf club. So at 15 years old, if
1: you're the lead of a soap opera, your that your life must have totally changed.
8: It did. I took myself very seriously. Yeah, um, and my uh, family quickly reminded me in the very Australian way, to um, not take myself so seriously. And, uh, but, yeah, it was fun. It didn't last long, though. It was only on air for about three months. My dreams oh. came crashing down very fast. And I was back at high school. Back at high back school. At high school. Like, yeah. what happened to hair and makeup? What happened to my... <laughs> yeah, I didn't
1: have, I have to finish high school? Exactly. To get back so to school. So you
8: moved to America in 2000s? Early 2000s? Yes. Okay. Well, I was doing the classic Aussie thing of like the back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Non-committal. Like, yeah, the coming in for a few months, trying to get a job, going back to Australia, mm-hmm. staying with mum and dad.
1: <laughs> so we know you from a lot of dramas, but then of, you know, more recently we know you from so many comedies. Was there a particular role or moment that you had that you were like, I want to lean into the comedic side of my acting career?
8: I had a tiny role in Marie Antoinette, uh, Sofia Coppola's movie, many years ago, playing Duchess de Polignac, who is a real figure in the, um, in the story of Marie Antoinette, and she was very bubbly and sort of the comic relief. That was kind of the first taste, and I was like, hmm, this was fun and interesting and we did a lot of improv on that um and then I auditioned for Nick Stoller for Get Him to the Greek which was right. super funny satire on you know rock stars and what have you and uh and I played a, a, a super trashy wasted pop star who was Russell Brand's ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. and it was very fun and from that I got Bridesmaids and yeah so uh, I had a great uh, break from from Judd Apatow and Nick Stoller. I just loved Bridesmaids. Thank you. Uh,
1: and I, uh, your role, of course, I feel like, makes it as the nemesis. It, it's, <laughs> it looks like it was very fun to play from the so audience fun. point of view.
8: Very fun. Fun, excellent group of people. Great material, obviously. And I do remember Melissa McCarthy just like me going, who is this incredible? And obviously she was so established from Gilmore Girls and all her other work, but she really, as we know, Blew up after that, and she's yeah, yeah. I but then you
1: start uh, opposite her, yeah, in Spy, uh, in Spy yeah. which is hilarious <laughs> yeah. as well.
8: Yeah, that was so funny.
1: And there is something I think particularly funny about seeing Rose Byrne deliver these like vulgar, filthy lines of dialogue after. Uh, is, Why? Is, I mean, oh, is that the natural you? Is that is that who well, you are? Well, I am
8: Australian. Right. So,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah. So it is within your soul.
5: It's, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, your new film, uh, this is an adaptation of a Nick Hornby novel, mm-hmm. Juliet Naked, and you aggressively went after this role. I did. Why? I
8: did. Uh, I had read the novel in 2009 when it came out, and I just loved it. It was a really bittersweet, it's that specific Nick Hornby tone, you know, like the Arrested Development, someone not growing up, yep. you know, regretfulness, and it's such a gift, the characters he gives you as an actor, so to then put them into a screenplay and try to bring it to life. Um, so, yeah, when I heard they were doing the movie, I was like, please, can I meet on it? Can I read? You you had read the book before? Yeah, I had read
1: the book before. And what did you think of your character?
8: I thought she was intriguing. I thought that I loved her breaking all the rules and taking all these risks and acting out, and she's is this kind of uptight, buttoned-up, very British lady who then goes against all her rules, you know. Did you ever watch Seinfeld? Sure. <laughs> Would well, you remember when George does the opposite of everything he usually does? Yes. And he has great success, and and he starts working for the Yankees, and like (laughs) has a hot girlfriend. That's kind of like Annie. Like she's like does starts doing all the opposite of all this stuff. She doesn't have that as great a success as George (laughs) Costanza, but um, it's sort of that kind of idea.
1: And when you were filming this, you were not only pregnant while filming this, but you also congratulations. Uh, So you also had like some bizarre blender accident with your hand in a
8: blender. (laughs) <laughs> Why did you? How? Nice. how
1: did, what happened that you put your hand in a blender? What
8: a shame that was. Yeah.
1: You still oh have the, the
8: hand. The hand's okay, I right? was making muffins at like 9pm at night, as you do. <laughs> Found this recipe, like kind of complicated ginger apple recipe. Like, <laughs> like, this is a great idea. I'll make muffins and we can eat them in the morning and then at the emergency room. Just Holding my finger together like that, just like. And then someone walks
1: by and they're like, I loved you in Star Wars. Exactly. It (laughs) was.
3: Stop. That's right. Dorme. Mm hmm.
1: Hey. All right. uh, Rose, are you ready for an Ask Me Another challenge?
8: Yeah. Yeah? You're up for it? All right.
1: Rose, you starred in the movie Neighbors. In Australia, Neighbors was released under a different title, Bad Neighbors, to avoid confusion with a long-running Australian soap opera called Neighbors. So in this quiz, I'm going to give you the American title of a movie that was changed when it was released in Australia. Oh, okay. Okay, you're just going to tell me what the title was changed to in Australia. It is multiple choice, though. Don't worry. And if you do well enough, Tara Woolfolk from Hokesson, Delaware, is going to win and Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Oh.
8: Wow.
1: Okay, was the 2004 Jennifer Garner comedy 13 Going on 30 changed to A Growing Up Fast, B Womanhood Now, <laughs> or C Suddenly 30?
8: <laughs> suddenly 30? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, I'm so glad it wasn't the other two. That's terrible. <laughs>
1: I kind of want to run something called Womanhood Now! I don't know what, some sort of campaign. We don't know why 13 going on 30 had to be changed.
8: Yeah, I don't get that either. It's pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah. Suddenly 30.
8: Suddenly 30.
1: Suddenly 30. Was the classic 1980 Leslie Nielsen spoof airplane called A, airplane mode, B, flying high, or C, mile high police squad? Flying high. Flying in. Yeah. yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> what was the Australian title for Fever Pitch, the 2005 romantic comedy starring Drew Barrymore, Jimmy Fallon and the Boston Red Sox? These are like hard to actually bring over. Was it A The Perfect Catch? B Smoochin in the Outfield? <laughs> or C Third Base? Oh. I think it's the first one. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. The Perfect yeah, Catch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, here's your last clue. Okay. How about Saving Silverman? This was a 2001 comedy starring Jason Biggs, Jack Black, and Amanda Peet. Was it renamed Saving Silver Person, (laughs) Be Flight of the Man Children, or C,
8: Evil Woman? They're all Uh, terrible. I know. They're terrible. And one of them's real. (gasps) I mean, it can't be saving silver, person, can no, it? No, no. It's but gotta I be evil idea. woman, right? It was yeah. evil woman. Yeah. Evil wow. woman. Wow.
1: And from what we can gather, it was just a way. It wasn't doing well at the American box office, so it was just a way to like dial it up, so people were like, "Evil woman, let's go see that."
8: Wow. It was a comedy, you said? Yeah, <laughs> it was a comedy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you did great. Okay. So
1: congratulations, Rose. You and Tara Woolfolk both won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. Yeah. Julia Naked is in theaters now. Give it up one more time for Roseburn. Yeah. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next up, we'll play a game called Literary Spoonerisms. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Tanaja Jordan. You work as a fundraising consultant for nonprofits. Hello. Hello. It's Nice to be here. When you ring in, we'll hear this.
5: So Tanaja, you started your own company thanks to some prize money that you won. Yes, um, I actually I won a fellowship in 2017, and I got thirty thousand dollars to start an early stage social enterprise business. And so I started my consultancy. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Thank <laughs> you. And how's it going? I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. Um, I share an office with my cats. They're not necessarily always the best office mates. They like to <laughs> meow on conference calls oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that they're not invited to. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, I think my clients sometimes like the cats more than me sometimes. Oh, that. that there's
1: no way. That's just an
5: extra bonus. Your opponent is Mora Foley. You're a data
1: scientist in Chicago. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, hi. hi. So when you ring in, we're going to hear this. Maura, you build predictive models that tell different companies who's going to buy their products.
7: Yes, I do that. All right, that's pretty interesting. That's, a uh... It's actually, uh, like, really boring. What? Um, and, <laughs> but, like, somebody wrote in Harvard Business Review that data science is the sexiest job of the 21st century. I love that you pulled out the old article from
1: Harvard Business Review that we've all read.
7: Oh, oh, no. My mother, Ellen Foley, uh, figured it out and pulled it out for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Your mom sent you this article? Oh, yes. That and clippings of house listings from my hometown. <laughs> Remember, Tanaja and Mora. whoever has the most
1: points after two games will move on to our final round. Let's go to your first game. Tanaja, what's the
5: best utensil? It's definitely the fork. Just because it's the most versatile. You can slice with it, you can poke with it and pick things up, and then you have the ability to sort of lift, like, from the underside as well. So it's just got all of the basic food-navigating fundamentals in the fork. Yeah. Yeah. Maura, what do you think is
1: the best utensil?
7: Um so mine is offset spatula because I make a lot of cakes and like nothing makes you feel fancier than like spinning a cake on a pedestal and like really flattening out that icing. Yeah. You know, the world is chaos, but this cake is
4: beautiful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so we've got an incredibly difficult word game for you. It's spoonerisms, or as I like to call them, word centaurs. Jonathan Colton,
2: what is a spoonerism? A spoonerism is where you switch the beginnings of two words. So, for example, (laughs) jelly beans becomes belly jeans.
1: Is not my lover. That's right. Anyway, in this game, we're asking you to actually perform the most public radio task in the history of public radio. You're going to be coming up with spoonerisms... Of famous authors, first and last names.
2: For example, if we gave the clue, this Enlightenment philosopher wrote two treatises of government, and he's an athlete who loves yard sports, you would answer, lawn jock. So, you take the philosopher John Locke, switch the beginning sounds of the first and last name, and you get lawn jock. Cool. And as you can see in this example, don't worry about the spelling, it's just the way the words sound.
1: Let's go. This author of... The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons Dropped a Muffin. Tanaja.
5: The author is Dan Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm, Brandown would be the... (laughs)
1: Yeah, what? (laughs) Yeah, yes. Brandown.
5: Brandown.
1: A conspiracy, clearly.
2: Yeah. This To Kill a Mockingbird author likes to get out her giggles with some live-action role-play. Tanaja.
5: The author is Harper Lee. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. LARPER-HE. LARPER-HE. That's right. First, he wrote
1: The Naked and the Dead and Executioner's Song. Then he joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and learned how to pound with a hammer.
5: Tanaja. Tanaja. The author is Norman Mailer. Mm Mm-hmm. Mormon Naylor. Yeah. I like big books, and I cannot lie.
2: (laughs) This author of Fahrenheit 451 can tell you where to find the most awesome, small, edible fruits in the San Francisco area. Okay.
7: Um it's Ray Bradbury. Uh-huh. And so it would be Bay Radbury.
2: Bay Radbury is correct.
1: <laughs> Although I believe the Radisberries are now in Oakland. Ah. But,
7: yeah. Solidarity. <laughs> Solidarity. Solidarity. <laughs> ah, <no. laughs>
2: there is altogether Finally. too much good content coming from the <laughs> contestant area tonight.
1: All right, strap in. The author of David Copperfield and A Christmas Carol narrates all of the poultry-related chapters in the William Faulkner book, As I Lay Dying. Don't be so quick, Tanaja. It's embarrassing. Yes, Tanaja. Charles Dickens. Darl's Chickens. Yes! (laughs)
2: Lousers.
1: Because as we all know, Darl is one of the narrators from As I Lay Dying.
7: Mm-hmm. We all know that. We all know that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> this children's author of Bezus and Ramona feels mighty witty after drinking a couple of Michelob Ultras. <laughs> Maura.
7: Um, it's Beverly Cleary. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleverly Beery?
2: Cleverly <laughs> Beery. You got it.
1: All right, this is your last clue. This author of Moby Dick... Has a terrible secret. He's a half man, half fish from the
5: underworld. Tanaja, Herman Melville is the author. Yes. Merman Hellville.
1: Yes. <laughs> Merman Hellville. Uh, that was an amazing game. I mean, come on, you guys are. So happy. And congratulations, Tanaja. You are currently in the lead. If you rolled your eyes that whole last game yelling, got it, got it, know it, know it, then you should be a contestant on our show. Go to amatickets.org. Coming up, we have a brand new game called Fact Bag. I'll be pulling a fax from a bag. So stay tuned. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from
0: NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, the automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares how Betterment's innovation can help Americans save. The real innovation for Betterment about a decade ago was taking a set of tools that were used by the ultra-wealthy
7: and making them accessible to the average investor. And that includes tech strategies, that includes dollar-cost averaging, that includes taking a long-term view and not getting distracted by market volatility. These are all sort of tricks of the trade. And what Betterment did is they basically said, no matter the amount of money you have, it's always good to be invested. It's always good to start early. It's
0: always good to save. And the power of being consistent in your habits is really the path to long-term wealth. Learn more about automated investing and saving at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed.
2: This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you,
1: Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Tanaja and Mora. Soon they'll play a game about unconventional forms of communication. You know, communication is, of course, the most important part of any relationship. And my favorite is when my partner leaves me a little love notes, uh, like in the subject line of his Venmo transaction. You know, just sorry about your window. I love you. <laughs> Let's check in with our contestants. So, Tanaja, you are a talented and experimental cook. I am. Experimental. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what is your specialty that is maybe a little more out there? I make
5: really off-the-wall macaroni and cheeses. Um, right, let's talk about this. And so one of my favorite, I make a Philly cheesesteak baked macaroni and cheese, which includes like a red pepper, green pepper, steakums, and then three different cheeses, like provolone, some gouda for the melt, um, and then like another white cheese, ideally a Swiss. And then like this one, I'm I'm beta testing a new mac and cheese right now. It's Parmesan cheese with peas, bacon bits, and shrimp. And I'm just trying to, like, throw that together. It's like a carbonara. Yeah. yeah. It's like a carbonara baked mac and cheese. Exactly. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Maura, you are,
1: are a talented baker. Yes. Okay. So, and you are baking some um, artisanal breads.
7: Yes. Some... And so, basically, family history of diabetes. So, the cookies were unsustainable sure. thing to bake. And... uh sourdough bread takes a very long time. So it's like kind of an artificial throttle on producing things that give you diabetes, basically. <laughs> and when you meet like another sourdough person in the wild, it's like, "Y'all's queen. <laughs> What's your hydration point? <laughs> I'm 75, if anyone... Okay. Okay.
1: Let's go to your next game. Tanaja, what is the weirdest way you've ever sent a message
5: oh. to someone? I have texted someone 15 seconds of audio of me explaining a text message that I had previously sent. <laughs> just in case you weren't sure from what I said to you that I wrote to you, I figured I would explain it in my own natural voice so that you can hear the inflections and see that I wasn't really angry, just, just slightly annoyed. Just myth. I wanted that to transfer. And how, how did that go over? They responded with text, like, okay. Right. <laughs> Maura, what's the weirdest way you've ever sent a message?
7: Um, I'm like that Midwestern lady in the office that's like, we're being too rough on the coffee maker. So I like to write notes from the perspective of the coffee maker. Oh, yeah. Like, I worked in a lab in college, and people would leave the door to the ice machine open. And so I would like have to put a note there that's like, Close my mouth. I stay cold. Um, and because it's like, how do, can you be passive aggressive but like cute at the same time?
1: <laughs> it's all context. It's yeah. all context. This is a music parody game my mom wrote called Why Haven't You Called? <laughs> Tanaja, stay in the lead, and you are in the final round. Mora, you need more points. Or you have to answer that phone call that you keep getting from that number that has the same first six numbers as your number, and you're like, it's got to be spam, but what if it isn't?
2: We change the lyrics of songs about the telephone to make them about other forms of communication. Some of these communication methods are unusual, and some of them are even fictional. Ring in to tell me the communication method I'm singing about, and if you get that right, you can earn a bonus point by identifying the original song title or artist who made it famous. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay.
7: okay. Yeah, yeah, I need verbal yeah. Why not? Yeah.
2: Here we go. A system made of dots and dashes.
3: Use it when you're in distress. Three dots and three dashes. Three more
2: dots—that's SOS. Tanaja.
5: Hotline bling. Morse code is the method. You are and correct. hotline bling is the song. That's right. You get the bonus point. Well done.
2: Here we go.
3: Throw some grass on the fire. Keep on piling it higher. I'm not building a pyre. I just have things to say. They use this at the Great Wall to send a message to all. With these puffs I make a call. Tell you I'm okay. Uh, Maura. Smoke Signals. Smoke Signals
2: is um, correct. Can you name wait, the song gotta, like, or
6: the artist? I gotta,
7: sing a big bar with steel. I'm it's real. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh uh-huh.
2: get, get to the chorus, though.
7: Oh, it's Carly Ray Jepsen.
2: Yes, it is. Call Me Maybe, that's right.
7: Yeah. If I hadn't gotten that, they, like, never would have let me back in another gay bar. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Here's your next one. I'm thinking real hard, trying to hear you Through the raw power of my mind Some say it's nonsense, I call up the sixth sense Now all our thoughts are intertwined
2: Maura? Uh, telepathy? Yes, or um. telepathy?
7: You know what? I'm no, I, sorry I just... <laughs>
2: I just don't want somebody to write us a letter. I have to, if that, you know.
7: And then, I'm from a pay. That's um, Maroon Five.
2: Yeah, it is. It's called Payphone. That's right.
3: This pick won't stay. It goes away. So there will be no record of the things I say. A flower crown, a sad faced frown. I can't decide which filter I should overlay.
2: Tanaja.
5: I feel like it's like an Instagram post, filter overlaying a photo. <laughs> like. I
2: need oh. a specific, decisive answer from you.
5: I'm just going to go with, like, a photo, a photography, maybe.
2: Uh, we're looking for something more specific. Maura, do you know what it is?
7: I would like to thank every 22-year-old I work with. Snapchat!
2: Snapchat oh. is correct. Well, hopefully you won't get the bonus point. I was talking about the picture disappearing. That's the disappearing, okay. Yeah. Uh, for a bonus point, Maura, can you name the song or artist?
7: Um, I definitely, like, know that tune... Mm-hmm. And it sounds familiar. Great. Well. Mm-hmm. I well. Uh, I uh uh Billy Joel. <laughs> it was Stevie Wonder. Oh right. right. I'm sorry. The
2: other Billy Joel. <laughs> the <laughs> That's called I Just Called to Say I Love You. Okay, we're almost there, everybody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there goes you see, and I'm wondering if with this thing they'll finally talk to me. Let our fingers guide the way. They say spirits move the planchette, but I just think that's Mora.
7: It's a Ouija board.
3: It is
2: a Ouija board. You're correct. And Can it's
7: you... it's Adele.
2: It is Adele. Hello, that's right.
1: little uh, tidbit. According to Smithsonian Magazine, the original investors of the Ouija board said that they came up with the name by asking the Ouija board
2: what its name was. What it would
1: like to be called.
2: No wonder it's such a weird... Yeah, doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's what
1: yeah. the spirits wanted. Uh, amazing game. Well, well done, ladies. Uh and after two games, Mora, you, you came up and you got more points, so Mora is moving to the final round. While Nikki and Mora get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is called Fact Bag. I have a bag of trivia questions. Jonathan and I do not know the answers to these questions. Each question is written on an envelope. I'm going to read the question. Jonathan and I will briefly discuss. Then we will open up the envelope and find out the real answer. Okay. Here we go. In 2014, McDonald's created a new variety of broccoli.
2: What? Doesn't seem possible.
1: To include in its kids' meals with a flavor designed to appeal to children. What did it taste like?
2: I assume the answer is not broccoli. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm going to assume it tasted like uh, something uh, kale. No, that wouldn't no. be something. Well,
2: would a kid's like candy? It didn't taste like candy. Didn't that's, taste like candy. That's monstrous. You would never and do that.
1: You, a new variety. Ketchup. Of ketchup. Yeah, green <laughs> ketchup. It tasted like a quarter pounder.
2: Tasted like a quarter pounder. <laughs> tasted like um, mm, cheese, macaroni and cheese.
1: Or with those apple pies. That's what I like oh, at maybe a McDonald's. hot dogs.
2: Tasted like hot dogs. Okay,
1: should we decide on one? Yeah, okay. I'm going to say it tasted like an apple. An Seriously, apple. I mean, like to say a, that It tasted
2: more like a fruit than a vegetable. That's right. I like that. I like, I like the way that sounds.
1: Okay, let's see what Fact Bag says. In 2014, this new variety. Okay, it tasted like, oh, the natural flavor for a broccoli, bubblegum. <laughs> oh, cow,
2: come on.
1: That is a terrible idea. I- Guess what? Kids, being humans, were too confused during the taste tests. So it was never introduced into McDonald's restaurants.
2: I don't care for that at all. I know. Disgusting. Fact bag. Fact bag number two.
1: Harry Potter fans know the evil wizard Lord Voldemort's real name is Tom Marvolo Riddle. However, in the French version of the books, Voldemort has a different real name. What is it and why was it changed?
2: His name in France is Monsieur Qu'est-ce se <laughs> passe?
1: You know what? This is why I'm going to say. In the French version, it has been changed because I bet there's someone in France known as Tom Marvolo Riddle.
2: Or it, it could be a dirty word of some kind.
1: Tom Marvolo. <laughs> qu'est-ce qui se passe? indeed? Uh, Marvolo Riddle. <laughs> Don't come to me with your Marvolo. Okay, yeah? You think it's a, uh, a dirty thing? Gonna,
2: I, I think I, it's a dirty thing. Listen, we're not going to guess what the new one is.
1: <laughs> we're never going to guess what the new one is. There's no way. Uh, I'm going to say he's a real person.
2: Okay. You're going to say... I'm going to say it's a dirty word of some kind. Some sort of dirty thing? Or an unfortunate word.
1: It, like, refers to something that is unsavory or unfortunate. You don't want to character name that. All right. Let's find out what's going on. Tom Marvolo Riddle is an anagram of I am Lord Voldemort.
2: Ah.
3: This Ah. anagram
1: only works in English. In French, I am Lord Voldemort is translated to Je suis Voldemort. So the anagram was changed to Tom Elvis
2: Jedusor. I feel like they phoned that last part in a little bit. All right, this is our last fact bag. Last fact bag.
1: In 1996, Australian scientists discovered that koalas are similar to humans. In what way that might confuse crime scene investigators? It's got to be fingerprints. It's got to be fingerprints.
2: Uh, Wait a second! That can't be right. They are serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: That's that would confuse them.
2: Uh, I I think you are right. I think that they have fingerprints that are similar to people. Like, and so when you're when you're at a crime scene, you're like, well, it's reasonable doubt. You go, <laughs> Your Honor, these could easily be koala <laughs> prints.
1: It's got to be fingerprints. They've trips. got fingerprints. Yeah. All right, let's see if we're right koalas. Crime. Yep, we were right. They have human-like fingerprints. And here's the mysterious little extra bit. It is unclear why koalas have fingerprints, since most tree-climbing animals do not.
2: Could the answer be murder?
1: (laughs) All right. The fact bag is now empty. Thank you, fact bag. Give it up for fact bag. It's now time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Nikki Palumbo, who writes dad jokes for Google Assistant, and Maura Foley, whose hydration point is 75. (laughs) Nikki, Maura, your final round is called Alphabet Soup. Every answer is a letter of the alphabet, so if you get stumped, You have a 1 in 26 chance of guessing the answer. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Rose Byrne. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Maura is going first. Here we go. Maura, this MPAA rating requires children under 17 to be accompanied by an adult. R. That is correct. Nikki, this negative blood type was long considered the universal donor. Oh. That is correct. Maura, this Kendrick Lamar single won him a Grammy for Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song in 2014. Why? Good guess, but I'm sorry, that is incorrect. The answer is I. Nikki, this character is the fictional head of MI6 in the James Bond books and films. M. That is correct. Maura, Brad Pitt starred in this movie adaptation of the Max Brooks novel World War This. Z. That is correct. Nikki, in Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter, this is the titular letter. A. That is correct. Maura, according to Britannica in Treasure Island, Robert Louis Stevenson introduced the concept of using this symbol on maps to mark bury treasure. X. Yeah, that's right. Nikki, this vitamin, also known as ascorbic acid, prevents scurvy. C. Yeah, that's right. We're at the halfway point, and Nikki is in the lead, four to three. Maura, this is the title of the New York Times Style magazine. T. That is correct. Nikki, it's the nickname of Chicago's rapid transit system. L. That's right. Maura, on HBO's True Blood, highly coveted Vampire Blood is known as this for short. V? Yes. Well done. <laughs> Nikki? This is the only letter that does not appear in the name of any U.S. state. Z? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. We were looking for Q? Maura, the logistic curve used in mathematical models of growth processes is also called this type of curve after the shape it resembles.
4: S? That is correct.
1: Nikki, on the periodic table, potassium is represented by this symbol. K. Yeah, that's right. All right, the score is tied. We have one last question for each of you. Maura Josh Brolin stars as a US president in this 2008 Oliver Stone biopic. W. <laughs> that is correct. Extra point for that impersonation. Uh, Nikki, this post-apocalyptic comic book series by Brian K. Vaughan is subtitled The Last Man. Hmm. I don't You know. have to answer this to stay in the game. J. Good guess. We were looking for Y. Well done. <laughs> you were great. Both fantastic competitors. And Laura, congratulations. You are our big winner.
2: Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name Anagram's to thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzles were written by Andrew
1: Kane, Carol Lee, and senior writers Eric Feinstein and Greg Lightman, with additional material by Emily Winter and Shantara Jackson. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another's produced by Sylvie Douglas, Mike Katzep, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Denny Shin, and Ramel Wood, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Rick Kwan, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Hill
2: Blues. And
1: our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harriet Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, Nashville. We heard you love trivia. So this spring, we're coming back to Music City. Join us on May 23rd at TPAC's Polk Theater for an evening of puzzles, word games, music parodies, and a very special guest. Tickets and more information at amatickets.org. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, you're in for a double feature. From Netflix's She's Gotta Have It, we'll have actor Dewanda Wise. And we'll also be joined by the one and only actor Tay Diggs. Plus a music parody game with tunes from The Carpenters. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions.
6: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Lisa. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit Lisa.com to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR.
1: What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.